Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beat Town Podcast. It is Friday, October. 22nd, 2021. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on screen by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz with a, a lock of hair just gingerly parting down the middle of his forehead. Butt cut looking as good as it's ever looked. Uh, how's it going, bud? Going well. Had a super duper ridiculously busy day and week. This has been a, a lot going on. We're, uh, we're looking to add some interns. We got a couple lined up. If you're someone who could help us with a little audio production, a little video, nothing too crazy. Uh, has you know any any social media experience anything at all? Uh, feel free to send me an email at Spenny Football or J- Jesus Spenny Football at gmail.com. Send me an email. Just include any work you're proud of, any resume notes, experience you have. We're just looking for someone to help us a couple times a week. Jake and I are doing a lot. Um, it'd be nice to be able to chill sometimes, even though I love everything that I do. But we're looking for someone to help us out a little bit. Again, that's Spenny Football at gmail.com. Submit anything. We got a couple interviews on the docket and some things of that nature. So trying to relieve ourselves a little bit. I think you and I have had a kick-ass start to this season. If I do say so myself, I feel like these pods have been great. We've had good content, good guests. We have two great guests for you today with Mike Sands, who covers the Bengals. I think he does Locked on Bengals and a good film guy. He's a big trenches guy. He's kind of like our own little uh, Skyline Chili Cole Jackson, friend of the pod for the Bengals. So uh, we got Cole up in Canada and we got Mike over there eating chili on pasta. And then we got Nick Cullison, otherwise known as Raven's Tattoo Guy, to come on and give us a little backstory about his tattoos and all that good stuff. But feeling good, five and one, first divisional game. It's crispy boy season. It's sad boy season. It's pumpkin spice season. Like, this is what we live for, man. I like, I don't know about you. I don't think it is sad boy season. I, I live for spooky season and I uh, love the fall. Get all my nice fall candles, some nice fall beer, and uh, crack the windows open. Get the fires going every now and again. Start fucking with the fireplace a little bit. It's a, it's a great time of year. It's uh, start fucking with the fireplace. Yeah, man. Get it. You know, pour out a nice stiff whiskey. Get a fire going and watch a movie. There's there's 
few things that give me more pleasure in life. But uh, yeah, another thing that gives me pleasure is the five and one Baltimore Ravens, who will be welcoming the Bengals into town at four and two. And we did chat with Mike Sands about that. Uh, just a great, great guy. He's he's fun to talk to. He's fun to kind of mix it up with on Twitter and uh, brings a really kind of uh, just a very analytical. And I don't mean that in like the analytics, like nerd term, uh, you know, PFF type thing, but like just sort of, you know, approaches the game from logical and like well thought and organized. And yeah. uh, he has like a he's like he's kind of like us. He likes to say dumb shit and fuck around. But he also is like down to get into the annals of what's going on on the field. Exactly. So that's that's a great one that you're going to want to tune into, a, a nice tight 30 minutes or so on the Bengals. And then after that, one of the more like randomly fun interviews that we've done, it's probably like 10, 15 minutes with Nick Cullison talking, <laughs> just talking Ravens tattoos and stuff like that. Great Baltimore accent on that gentleman. So that was, uh, that was a fun one as well. For sure. So uh, yeah, why don't we, uh, when we throw it over to those, we don't have a ton. Uh, news wise, there's Nick Boyle's back at practice. Mm-hmm. Brandon Knight says, fuck the Ravens. Well, um, it, there's a mental health thing going on there, so we can. Is that what it was? Yeah. So he, I mean, okay. he just tweeted that today. So, I, so I don't maybe it was it okay. So maybe it was like the fact that like he, you know, would have weighed on him to have to move and stuff, and he wasn't in a good mental place. So hopefully he gets better. So uh, Eric Tacosta back to scouring. Ronnie so, Stanley, IR. I don't think we've Ronnie. Yeah, Ronnie Stanley done for the year is what it is. Um, was kind of what the grapevine was whispering for. Couple weeks. I had a little. I had a little bit of hope just because you know they weren't putting him on an IR for so long, which was so peculiar. And everyone kept saying they don't need that spot, but it's just like such an anti-Ravens thing to not utilize every possible roster spot. Uh, it's it's very strange. So I, that gave me a little hope, but it was false hope. The big fella. We our hearts go out to him. Ronnie Stanley, you know, has a ton of love for Baltimore. He's done a ton of great things in Baltimore, and hopefully, you know, he's able to keep his chickens and his mentals right and relax and uh, you know. Take a load, take a load off for a year after beating the living shit out of his body, trying to rehab this last year, and couldn't quite get it where he wanted. So we we wish the best for Guru and uh, Guru Punch Podcast in general. We pray that that keeps going because that's a great one. Yeah, I was gonna say this will give him more time to focus on Guru Punch, so that's great. But uh, yeah, I mean, we wish all the best to him. I think he's a, a great guy. As we've been. Uh, kind of chopping it up with uh, each other uh, through text and social media and stuff like that. So wishing him all the best in his recovery. If you're somebody who is not doing that for fan reasons, you can go fuck yourself. So uh, just that's my statement on that. Uh, And yeah, so wish Ronnie the best. Great to see Nick Boyle back. I assume he's not going to play this weekend. So give him a nice two week window to really get into the swing of things. They have the bye next week, correct? Yes, they do. So coming out of the bye, probably going to see some Nick Boyle, but uh, we got this game coming up with the Bengals, so I guess we can throw it over to Mike Sands. Then we'll go to Nick Cullison. Then we'll come back on the other side and give our predictions. How's that sound? Beautiful. Let's do it. Boom. All right. We now welcome back a very special guest. It is a friend of the pod. It's Mr. Mike Sands of Locked On Bengals hopping on with us here uh, today to talk uh, a little about the main event this weekend. Uh, Ravens, Bengals, since he coming to town, uh, both teams in pretty damn good shape. Uh, Mike, I think when we talked back over the summer, I don't know if we expected that these teams would be meeting at five and one and four and two, probably in either category. Uh, I know for sure that I didn't think that the Ravens were going to be where they were at right now. I got to assume that you weren't feeling quite that, uh, quite that bullish on this Bengals team, but uh, here we are, here they are. It's uh, it's going to be a fun one. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, definitely unexpected on this side. Cause I, I was thinking like, Oh, Burrow might get off to a slow start and then four and two. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I'll take it. So how are you guys doing? We're doing awesome, brother. It's, uh, yeah, definitely two teams that 
had some injury situations and some narratives in the preseason that we uh, we now know. I, I feel like just COVID made everybody forget what the preseason is. It's just like it's for the bubble guys. Preseason's for the bubble guys, the rookies a little bit, like whatever, and not even really that much. It's like our the preseason's for our Darius Washington and guys like Pat Ricard a couple years ago. It's like that is the importance there. And uh, so everybody, you know, had hot take city. I think COVID made us forget what it is. There's some younger people that are coming up on the old media trail and all that good stuff. But yeah, uh, one and two in the division for the AFC North. So it's exciting. It's a fun matchup. The Bengals are definitely the fan side of me, like the team I hate the least in the AFC North by far. Um, I feel like the Ravens might be that for the Bengals. I don't know. I feel like it varies by Bengals fan. Uh, for me, for, well, I mean, for everybody that's not the Steelers, the Steelers are the easy number one for right. least liked. Uh, but yeah, I think me and there's plenty of other Bengals fans, I think would agree that Ravens are probably the most um, the least amicable, hated. Yeah, yeah, least hated matchup of this. I mean, there's been, usually when you think of definitely Bengals-Steelers games, but even Bengals-Browns games, it gets a little chippy, gets a little like that, and uh, Bengals, Plus they're both in the state game. of Ohio. Yeah, there's that too. And uh, who's going to win Columbus or something? I don't know. <laughs> Shared but, uh, history Bengals, between the two franchises, game. you know. Yeah, yeah, Paul Brown, I mean, he made the Bengals out of spite of the Cleveland Browns. So I, I don't think the Bengals fans are allowed to like them at all. Uh, but when I think of Bengals-Ravens games, I think of like big wide receiver games. And, like The main one I go to is the Steve Smith-AJ Green game of like 2015. And I'm like, oh, what great memories. Uh, I mean, maybe better for me because the Bengals won. But, I mean, what a game. Yeah, to Chad that point, Johnson too, I think. Chris uh, McAllister back in the day, too. Yeah, and, like, oh. yeah, those were fun. And, like, to that point, it's like it kind of feels like for as much as uh, the Ravens have beaten up on the Browns over the years and it's kind of been neck and neck with the Steelers and it kind of feels like they, it's them and the Steelers kind of trying to pronounce themselves as that number two team in the AFC during all the Brady dominant years. As much as like people kind of paper over the Bengals in that stretch, they've really given the Ravens kind of a tough time, even going back to like the Palmer days and Andy Dalton for as much as everyone else around the league kind of tried to crap on them. I remember kind of trying to remain quiet throughout that because I didn't want to have the discussion about how often he would torch the Ravens even in losses. So, you know, it's uh, if nothing else, it's been a fun on the field product. Yeah, Marvin Lewis revenge games back in the day. He must have really gotten ready for those Ravens games. When Marvin Lewis goes up against the Ravens, you you toss the record books out. <laughs> classic, absolute classic. Uh, so the first question I have for you, Mike, is who is responsible for the Bengals being pretty damn good right now, and why is it Duke Tobin? <laughs> right. I mean, he's killed it in the draft the past two years, I think. He's done a really good job there, and uh, – Whatever got into the Bengals and signing free agents has been cool. Uh, that's not something they did before. I remember reading articles in like 2014. It's like the Bengals built through the draft. It's like, well, yeah, it's just because they don't sign anybody. <laughs> it's like you have to hit on these. But I guess you miss a couple drafts and then you got to supplement with talent. Um, if I'm going to give credit to one guy, it's DJ Reader. That's my guy, the 330 pound monster in the middle. That's, you know, I'll always give a big guy credit for the team doing well. Definitely. And uh, so I guess he seems like a guy who's probably standing out so far over these first five games. And I guess what I'm curious about over these first five games is uh, I think what everyone wants to talk about at this point is um, the big guy, number one, number one pick, Joe Burrow. I mean, his renaissance here, I, I shouldn't even say renaissance, his development here is what's got the Bengals where they're at at four and two. And I just generally, from my perspective, I'm just curious what we're seeing overall from him. I've seen some 
I wouldn't necessarily say pushback, but some talk about how, oh, his arm's never going to be strong enough for him to be like among the top five in the league. And there's all this other stuff, but it just like to me, and this goes all the way back to the LSU days and uh, I'm a Cajun person. So, uh, you know, I rooted pretty damn hard for LSU in that championship year. So I've, I feel like I've had a lot of personal stock in Joe Burrow. So what have we seen from him over these first, you know, six games that tell you that this guy is uh, going to be the guy to lead the franchise moving forward, even if they don't get it done on Sunday, because I don't think as much as people are, ballooning this up as like the Bengals need to get a win here. And I, I maybe agree with that. It does feel like they found their guy definitively. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even if they lose, it's still four and three and that's a winning record as of now. So not must win, but it's a win. If you want to be taken seriously for threatening the division um, with Burrow specifically to me, I agree that his arm's not the strongest, but at the same time, to me, that also gets a little bit overinflated. Like to me, that, that means if he sees something late, he can't really throw it and fit it in there like a Matt Stafford. He has a uh, smaller like, margin for error, is what. Yes, that yeah, the small. Like anytime you're late on something, it's like okay, if I throw that, I might get picked, so I can't throw that one. So let me move on to something else or scramble and make something happen rather than, oh, I'm Josh Allen and I could rocket this thing 70 miles per hour into the wide receiver's gut anyway. Nobody's gonna pick this off. Um, He's really smart, although he still makes mistakes most of all because he is a young quarterback. But I think he does a really good job pre-snap. I think uh, going through his reads and coming back from the injury, he's pretty much already back to where he was, if not better. So that's really encouraging to see. He got kind of eased back in. That's why the there are a lot of fans freaking out about the neutral game run uh, or neutral situation run rate. And it's like, well, yeah, because their quarterback just coming off a torn ACL. They don't want him taking hits, so they're handing off Joe Mixon a little bit more than normal. It's going to change, and it did. So uh, the training wheels seem to be almost completely off, and he's doing a great job with it. And what are you seeing when it goes poorly, when when there's not a great game script? I feel like the Bears gave him a little bit of trouble. Um, what are you seeing in terms of offensive line play, general general flow, play calling, when things don't look great. And then you can flip that and keep rolling if you want to when they do. Uh, when they don't go great. Yeah. The bears game, great example of things didn't go great. And then it was just compounding mistakes on top of mistakes where, I mean, three interceptions in a row is just unexcusable. Although one was definitely Joe Mixon whiffed on his block and he took a hit while throwing. So that was one interception and just kind of fell into a defensive lineman's lap. So two of them were his fault, and then one of them, yeah, whatever. But, you know, when it rains, it pours. Uh, the offensive line, I don't know. It's It feels like when they're in empty, which they are in a lot, and defenses show pressure looks, they're still not fully there on knowing who's coming, who's not coming, and that's just not something they're adept at. Uh, and there's ways to get around that. You can attach guys to the line so that if you need them to block, they can block, but they like to get in that spread empty look. And that's really difficult on offensive line. And, uh, yeah, that it's like playing guess who there's six guys and you have five of you. So which one is dropping and can you figure that out? Uh, they haven't done a, a great lot, job. A lot of that can happen pre-snap and, and it can be yeah. indicators. It can be, you know, guys talk, communicating, Guys that are up, you know, leaning forward on their toes. So you, you got to be with it pre-snap. And if you're thinking about a million things, you might miss some of those key details. Uh, and one other thing is that week one against the Vikings, Burrow, I think, knew that Zimmer loved disguising stuff. So he went hardcore, 
almost everything was either a hard count or he varied it with like a quick count to go with it. And specifically, I think about one play where it was Jamar Chase, his first ever touchdown. The Vikings show single high. He gives a hard count and a safety from the line starts sprinting backwards. And it's like, oh, crap, they know. <laughs> so he knew they were in some type of too deep and was able to throw a go ball over Brashad Breland's head touchdown. And that was really cool to see. I would hope that Burrow's going to use that a little bit against Baltimore with their affinity for disguised pressures, bringing four, but it's not the four you see. It's four that could be anybody, uh, things like that, and maybe getting a little bit of an advantage that way just to help out the offensive line so they don't let in these free runners. And I'm sure Burrow wants to help himself out to not take seven minutes. Not to put you on the spot here, but you mentioned kind of the disguised pressures and, you know, some of the simulated blitzes we were talking about before we got going here. He's, I've, you know, seen this metric thrown around by a couple of different outlets that he's the number one quarterback against the blitz this year so far. And I mean, that's pretty huge for a young guy. And you talked about some of the checks that he's making at the line, but we also were talking about before we got going here about the, how the Ravens defensive coordinator stink fart and whale really loves to uh, <laughs> kind of go out, out of his way to uh, blitz and do all these kind of special different blitzes that a young quarterback might not be acclimated to. It feels like with that stat versus that kind of reality with the Ravens defense, it feels like something's got to give here. Who do you expect to kind of win that matchup? If the, you know, not a stalemate, you can pick whatever you want. Uh, there's going to be some give and take, and I wouldn't be surprised if Burrow does take advantage of some of the pressure looks at, Stink fart. I laugh every time somebody says stink fart and whale. For anyone, by the way, for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, Jonah Schaefer was, uh, I don't know what he was doing, but he was checking out, one, I think the Bengals SB Nation page, and there were some uh, Bengals fans, to our to our point there about the relationship being relatively friendly, some Bengals fans didn't love uh, Wink Martindale, and they uh, brandished him with that name, so uh, we've been having some fun with that. I don't even that. know if they didn't love him, they just, they just saw a shot and took it. Like You Listen, can't think <laughs> of that and not say it. And I mean, honestly, yeah, that's pretty... That's pretty artistic stuff. So shout out to whoever coined that. Good for them. And you can continue with your question. <laughs> um, I'm going to lean towards uh, old, old fart and whale. He's in old my, fart and whale. <laughs> old fart and whale. Uh, but for, for my money, I think he would be the best pressure design defensive coordinator in the entire NFL. But maybe I'm scarred from the week one week or the game last year in Baltimore. Um just really good at designing his pressures, dictating offensive lineman protections, and then beating them. And, man, I mean, there's good guys, but then at the same time, Zimmer like likes to keep things in front of him and then bring it on third down where Martindale will bring it any down uh, <laughs> and third down. So there's that volume and efficiency with him on his blitz packages really impressed me. And I would lean towards him getting a little bit more than Burrow. but. I wouldn't be surprised if Burrow gets a go ball to chase or something when he finds it and just can three-step quick, throw it out. I could see that. It's definitely been, uh, again, I feel like it's just something that Burrow probably had his, like that was probably his worst performance that he's had in a long time in any level of football. And I feel like he, hell hath no scorn like Joe Burrow when you fuck with him. And he just has that swagger about him. I think he has that moxie, all those classic cliches. So, uh, I just also think that the Ravens are bluffing a lot more. I think that they've gotten like Odafe away involved. They keep Bowser, uh, you know, Queens, a good blitzer. They like to use Deshaun Elliott, Chuck Clark, all these guys. And stink fart and well was talking today about the, some of the, you know, defensive or the position list defenders and talking about Deshaun Elliott, who had two quarterback hits last week. So I feel like it might be a little bit more bluff than blitz 
uh, would, would be a nice way to, to mess with Joe Burrow, especially whether there could be some crowd noise that will affect communication. But uh, to sum up this offense and, and kind of get around, obviously, I mean, you know, Jamar Chase kicks ass. Ravens fans know Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins is a, a really technically sound bigger receiver. But what are you seeing in this run game? And, and you mentioned how uh, it's kind of been just to take some pressure off of Burrow while it hasn't been super ex- explosive. But Joe Mixon, I mean, has more carries after contact than before. So, you know, what what is this run game? Obviously, it's a lot of zone, but what is it? Where can it go? When? How can it get better? And uh, do you think that, you know, some of it might be that Mixon was a little banged up, which happens every year, but uh, he's moved past that. Yeah, I feel like almost every running back gets banged up every year, I mean, other than Derrick Henry. So it's just something when I expect a running back, I think like yeah, 14 games. So there'll probably be two that he misses for whatever reason. Um some of it's that. Some of it is it makes it's not really hitting the explosive plays, but when it gets going, like he had over five yards per carry just against the Lions, and it's a ton of eight yards here, maybe a ten yard gain. It's never twenty plus to really inflate. There's the very yards few per negative carry. plays. Yeah, he does such a good job of at least getting two or three at worst, and then, uh, well, I mean sometimes zero, but you know he gets to the line. He doesn't make something weird happen and lose four yards or anything like that. He can consistently hit pretty good to good plays. Uh, it's a lot of wide zone. They brought in Frank Pollock from the Jets and Cowboys. And well, he used to be in Cincinnati as well, but he likes to run wide zone. I think any anywhere in the weak side, strong side to the bubble away from it, even odd, whatever. He said, I, I can run it, whatever. <laughs> no. Um and they just this past week have started to marry in some jet motion at the snap. Sean McVay, I mean, that's Zach Taylor from the Sean McVay tree, so this makes sense. But they just started adding that in to try to – what that does for the offensive line is it creates better angles for them, specifically against linebackers, so that they can't fast flow to get over top and the slower offensive lineman can't reach them. It holds them for a second to kind of tee them up for whoever's climbing. That helps, uh, and I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, it's also the Lions, but the Lions have done a pretty good job against the run, I think, before uh, that game. So running for over five yards per carry, I think it was a good performance, and I think the jet motion at the snap with the wide zone kind of helps. What are you expecting to see out of this group of tackles in uh, Reef and Jonah Williams? Uh, because the Ravens, you know, they're off to, I wouldn't say a super hot start as far as their pass rush goes, but they're having some guys that are just quietly putting together good seasons. Justin Houston, Tyus Bowser has really had his moments, and then they've got this wild card in Odafe Owe, who they're getting a lot of really interesting looks out of, and he's making a lot of plays. How do you expect that battle on the the lines to kind of play out? Uh, I think both the tackles are pretty solid, especially in pass protection. Uh, Riley Reef is just the at right tackle. He's just the. Uh, Solid, unspectacular performer. And on the other side, you have Jonah Williams, who better in pass protection than run blocking because he's not as beefy and long to really move guys in the run game like a Mackay Becton, but he's technically sound and he does a good job maintaining body positioning, everything like that. So he's he does a solid job in the run game. I think he's very low on like pressures allowed, stats like that, but some of that is Joe Burrow is really, really quick at getting the ball out as well. So always have to say the impressive thing, but kind of give context to it. For sure. Uh, it feels like the one missing thing. And let's say, you know, Bengals maybe win this game, maybe win. When's it? When's their bye? Uh, I think it's week. <laughs> is it nine. after the deadline? Which is, I think that's after the deadline. I think it's after the deadline. 
I think, yeah, I think so. So the one missing link for this offense for me, um, and I don't know if you agree, but it just feels like, I, I don't know, I like C.J. Ozoma a lot. Uh, Drew Sample is okay. He can do some things for sure. But if they were to have a real dude as a tight end that could go in line, split out a little bit, you know, be versatile, feels like the missing piece. And um, I'm interested to see. It feels like at the trade deadline, I'm sure let's talk a little defense after this. But do you see that being a good way that if the Bengals are like, screw it, we need to make a damn playoff run. This is year three for Zach Taylor. Joe Burrow is playing well. Do you think that's where they would look? That would be a cheap option, like maybe a Gasicki, somewhere around the NFL. Like an O.J. Howard would be really exciting on name value. Uh, athletic, can block, and catch. Uh, for whatever reason, he doesn't stay in favor in Tampa. Um, that would be really fun. That would be really cool. I, I think the Bengals GM is kind of conservative about stuff like that. Uh, I don't expect a trade of really any sort. And if they did, I wouldn't be surprised if it was for a center because Trey Hopkins hasn't looked the same since his injury. And, I mean... They really want to protect Burrow, solidify the offensive line. They definitely do not want this season to end up like last season where he's on IR rehabbing and they're completely out of any type of playoff race. Yeah, and it looks like the Browns are about to score a touchdown here on the Broncos. They have absolutely marched down the field, so that's you know just absolutely great for everyone listening to this. But uh, I guess we can switch over to the defensive side of the ball here. I think we were all... And probably especially you with more the perspective on that. I think we were all relatively bearish on what Lou Anarumo was going to bring to the defense this year, but they're playing well. I mean, it's it's very much a storyline right now that they're kind of punching above their weights and better than the sum of their parts here. I think Jesse Bates is kind of the face of the uh, the players, sort of the leader amongst that unit. So what has kind of led to the defensive renaissance that I don't even think the staunchest Cincy supporters were really uh, expecting this year? Yeah, I think I said they could be pretty good, but, I mean, they've been great so far, top five in points allowed. Uh, like I said, I'll give credit to DJ Reader for everything. Uh, Two-gapping as a nose tackle, taking on blocks. I, I don't think it's surprising to see that the linebackers are all having career years the year that DJ Reader is healthy because linebackers can play clean a lot better than they can play taking on blocks. But, I mean, on the other end, you have Jesse Bates, I mean, fantastic guy, uh, as a deep free safety and that helps your corners, which Chidobe Wuzier is having a career year at cornerback. Cause he finally has a safety behind him that doesn't just take heads off like Xavier Woods. He's got a guy that wants to break up passes and make plays on the ball, get turnovers. Um, and Logan Wilson, I already mentioned linebackers having a career year, but it's more than a career year for him as he has four interceptions. Uh, I know Ravens fans will remember him as well. Hopefully remember him for the good play. Uh, he made an interception off Lamar. He's done the same blitz, and it was the same one he used on Lamar, where it's a Lou Anarumo, probably other people, but I mainly watch the Bengals, so I know this one. Uh, they bring, like, six guys, like it's a cover zero look, but if Logan Wilson specifically is contacted, he just disengages and, and gets into the passing window of wherever the quarterback's looking. And since so the quarterback's looking and he feels like he has cover zero, he's throwing it hot. And he just he got a pick off Justin Fields doing that. Um, it's got an interception off Ben Roethlisberger doing that. Just Ben Roethlisberger also just threw one right at him another time, so he had two interceptions that game. Uh, just having a career year, just a ball magnet. This past week, he just ripped the ball out of some receiver's hands, and it counts as an interception instead of a fumble for whatever reason. Didn't hold the ball long enough. I don't know. His turnover, just ball magnet, doing a great job of creating turnovers and getting the offense in advantageous positions. 
Yeah, Logan Wilson, I uh, had the the old red star on him coming out of Wyoming. He was an older prospect, but you saw all the intangibles in the past game. You saw the technical uh, ability in the run game, hand placement, ability to beat blocks. He definitely did pick Lamar Jackson off twice last year, made an outstanding play on one of them. Um, he's got, you know, a good bit of length. He's he's fast. He's smart. He's all the, you know, classic cliche white guy stuff, gritty or whatever you want to call it. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he's a grinder. He's, Coach you know, whatever son. you want to call him. Uh, the other side of that sword, the guy that I'm personally interested in, because I, I my favorite linebackers in last year's class were Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, Logan Wilson, and Akeem Davis-Gaither. So how is uh, ADG looking? He's, uh, he's I like to call him like Isaiah Simmons mini. Or Isaiah Simmons, <laughs> Isaiah Simmons uh, without the knee cartilage. <laughs> um, he's, I think he's doing great. He's very athletic. It shows. Um, he's more of the nickel backer right now, but I think the Bengals like they're a three-four base normally. But every time they played the Ravens under Louisiana Ruma, they get into a four-three over stack type defense probably to get more second level defenders to try to flow with the with the option run game and try to track down Lamar or whoever has the ball rather than getting caught up on the line and I wouldn't I'm actually expecting that all three linebackers will start the game at least against 12 and 21 to have Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis, Gaither and Jermaine Pratt on the field at the same time so this will be his first game presumably with really extended snap count normally it's around 25 or so but yeah uh we'll see a lot this week and he's been pretty good like i said almost all the linebackers have had career years and i attribute a lot of that to i mean the supporting cast around them but they're doing a good job uh on their own as well in coverage and supporting the run yeah i think it's interesting to that point though because like the ravens have you know They've kind of smoked the Bengals in the run game the last couple of years. That's kind of been a, a big reason why they've been uh, been able to uh, have such success against them. But like we're talking about a different offense, you know, a much different offense than I think we were even expecting coming into this year. They're throwing the ball a lot more, kind of by necessity, but also as a strength. You know, you got Lamar Jackson leading the league in A dot. You got these receivers playing really well, and they're going to the quick game. They're taking advantage of the fact that their offensive line is just not where it needs to be. So how do you kind of project, looking at the secondary, I got Uwuze starting on one side, Eli Apple starting on the other one. Um, so how do you kind of, how do you see this defense trying to bottle up a passing game that is off to a pretty good start so far, I think better than people were expecting? I wouldn't be surprised to see Uwuze shadow uh, Marquise Brown to try to limit explosive plays that way. Uh, he shadowed Devontae Adams, for the most part got injured, he didn't give up 200 yards. <laughs> that was a group effort. Uh, I think in coverage he gave up about 80, but he also had an interception. So pretty good day in the office to face Devontae Adams and do that as not a top five corner. Just a, He's having a good year, though. Um, I, I would expect that. Eli Apple, he's starting. He's on the other side. Uh, since week three or so, he's been fine, not abysmal. He kind of was abysmal in week one, specifically one drive where – he didn't. T- he missed a tackle on the sideline that got a first down on like third and fifteen, and then he has a holding call when they get a sack, and then he gives up the touchdown. It's all on one drive. I was like, oh, that's like the worst thing that could happen to you as a corner. Um, and then Mike Hilton in the slot. Normal. Everybody knows his name in the AFC North. Uh, great blitzer. Great fitting the run. Okay coverage guy. Uh, still hey, Von he's Bell. A good spot dropper. He's just not like a good matchup cover corner. 
in man. Yeah, I actually think they might blitz him a bit this week because the Bengals tried to blitz Lamar with Darius Phillips um, in the game last year in Baltimore, and it worked pretty well. He had some pass breakups, had some pressure, so I wouldn't be surprised that they got a better guy at doing that, and they'll just send him just as often, if not more. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Von Bell can be taken advantage of in coverage. He's kind of like Mike Hilton, but at uh, safety. <laughs> Better in the box, fitting the run, and uh, rushing the passer, just making things happen that way. Uh, yeah, Awuzie on Brown, and other than that, I mean, they're going to play mostly zone, I assume. You don't really want to turn your back to a guy that's a forward to whatever athlete like Lamar Jackson. Nobody does. Nobody does. Um, so, I mean, it's been a really good contrast, and I know your answer is going to be DJ Reader, but aside from DJ Reader, <laughs> there's been two gap in his tail off. The, so the Ravens play the Colts, and then they play the Chargers. So we watched the Colts have Darius Leonard and have, a you know, Buckner, a couple other guys just were able to really, I don't want to say destroy the Ravens run game, but they were really capable of containing it. Um, then we see the Chargers who Joey Bosa, you think is going to be able to, no, Joey, Go, Joey Bosa got his ass kicked. Uh, for whatever reason, usually doesn't work that way. They don't really have any good second level defenders. They don't have a lot of help because they run so much too high. So uh, if the Bengals are going to be able to, to really gap and fit and stop this run game, you can talk about DJ Reader as much as you possibly want to and anyone else that comes to mind because a lot of it comes down to, you know, this Ravens offense isn't some new shiny thing. You got to execute. You got to execute well. You got to beat blocks, beat linemen, beat Pat Ricard, all those things. So who's going to do that? Yeah, uh, I'll say DJ Reader. <laughs> it's the center for the Ravens hasn't been spectacular this year, I don't think. He's, so, very, he's, he's a solid, technically sound guy. Okay. It's it's still DJ Reader, who in my mind is the top four or five, maybe even three nose tackle in this league, and just really strong, really good at uh, getting away with holding. Obviously, that's a, a nose tackle necessity. Uh, other than that, also two gap, which play in one gap gets to the other one. He can cross face really well. Does everything like that. I'll also say Larry Ogunjobi's kind of the wild card of when he's on, he's, his get off is just firing off the ball and he's getting into the backfield before anybody gets a hand on him. He can really disrupt a run game. BJ Hill and Josh Tupo, the other two interior defensive linemen have also done. Is, a is really BJ good Hill getting used as like a sub rusher more? Uh, kind of so not completely though, because he's in on base downs too. Okay. And teams are just they, throwing the ball more on the, on the Bengals. Yeah. They, I mean, they, yeah, because the run defense has been really good. So they face a lot more, uh, they face a lot more passes than they have runs, I think. I mean, I don't have the stats to back that up. Probably. But. I mean, any that's probably most NFL teams. But well, uh, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he. I mean, he had a good rep last week against the run where he crossed face and made a tackle for a loss. So he's been getting run reps. Although I think he's been, especially week one, he was definitely better rushing the passer. And then other than those guys, I think one of the underrated abilities that Jesse Bates has is coming off the roof of the defense to try to make a tackle. And the only game the Bengals didn't have great run defense was the Jaguars game, which James Robinson, he's great, but that was also the only game Jesse Bates has missed. So the backup wasn't as good at recognizing run quickly, recognizing and reacting and getting downhill to try to make the play. So I think he's kind of the, uh, I already called Larry Ogunjobi the wild card, but he's kind of the one that's unexpected. You don't expect Jesse Bates free safety to be a key run defender, but I think he is. For sure. 
Absolutely. Well, uh, I think we are running short on time here. We got uh, another guest that's going to be hopping on with us here in a second. So, Mike, thanks for joining us again, bud. It was a great chat, very informative, always fun to uh, catch up with you here. Uh, you're becoming quickly a friend of the pod, I think. So uh, hope you had as much fun as we do. And before we get you out of here, how about a little bit of prediction for Sunday? Oh, uh, I predict to Ravens fans delight. My prediction was 24-17 Ravens. I think it'll be close. I think the defenses are going to be key. I think the offenses will both maybe have a little bit of a struggle, but I mean, I could be wrong. Ravens just ran for 400 yards against the Bengals last time they played. Uh, yeah, 24-17 Ravens, but a close game, and I could see the Bengals pulling it out. Very cool. All right, bud. Well, why don't you go ahead and plug your Twitter, whatever else you got before you get you out of here as well. Yeah, Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter. And yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really enjoy coming on here. Absolutely, bud. You have yourself Thank a good you so weekend. Much, Mike. Yep, you enjoy the game, and uh, we appreciate it. Yep, bye. Bye. Incredible. Ridiculous. All right, we uh, we now welcome on another guest, a very special guest. It's a little bit more of an unconventional one. It's one that uh, I think we've been had in the works for a, a couple weeks here. It's a guy that, uh, if you're familiar with this team, if you've been tracking their wins over the the past you know, five weeks as they've been happening, you might have seen this guy uh, on the Twitterverse. It's Nick Cullison. Otherwise known as Tattoo Guy. That's in your bio on Twitter, so I'm, I feel no shame in calling you Tattoo Guy. Nick, my first question for you is, uh, when the first loss inevitably does happen, are you going to be wrapping this up with a no regrets tattoo across your chest? Uh, no, I don't think that's, that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we appreciate you coming uh, I, on, man. I appreciate it. So, uh, so, so how did this all get started? Give us the background. Give us the detail. What what made you feel feisty, frisky? Want to go get that ink, brother? Uh, you know, when the, that Ravens Chiefs game happens, you know that's one of those games where uh, it's like a rivalry that kind of just got brought on us because of the Mahomes Jackson era. But it's one of those games as a Ravens fan that we dread but we look forward to. And uh, I told my wife before the game, I was like, I have a weird feeling we're gonna win this year, you know. And uh, if we win, I'm getting it tattooed on me. And she was like, all right, if you say so. And then, obviously, the game uh, transpired into a win. And she was like, all right, let's do it. So she called me out on it. And I was like, all right, let's go. And we did it. And so from there, how does it turn into, okay, they win next week. I'm going to get another one. They win the next week. I'm going to get another one. Like, is it just kind of a YOLO thing at this point? Or, like, what's the deal? Well, yeah. So week two, I mean, week three came around. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to continue it, you know, because the that first tattoo blew up and I was like, am I going to continue this trend or am I going to, you know, just cut my ties with it. And then Justin Tucker hit that 66 yarder. And I was like, Oh yeah, we're going, you know, it's it's happening. (laughs) So how are you deciding every week? Like, are you just thinking like, have you started to draft a little bit in your mind? Like I saw you get the bolt down one or whatever it was. Like you broke down the, the chargers logo in half. So are you like thinking right now already? Like, do you have something in mind for the Bengals? Like, what, what's the process here? Are you, are you just waiting until the game happens? You're like, I'm going to go get it. I'll think of it on the spot. So I kind of get like little ideas in my head, you know, before the game. But it's not until I actually sit down and I'm watching the game until something jumps out at me. And I'm like, okay, that's what we're going with, you know. It's kind of spur of the moment. And like for the bolt down one, the game ended and my wife just started drawing right then. So then within two hours, I had it on me, you know, like it was just boom, boom, boom. And uh, that's kind of what we're going with right now. 
see how it goes. <laughs> so what's like, what is your background with the team? I can hear you got, you got yourself a Baltimore accent. I can definitely hear that. And I love that about you. So I can, I'm guessing you're from the area. So I'm guessing you just kind of grew up a fan and you've been, uh, you've been passionately following them to the point that something like this uh, was probably always inevitably, inevitably going to happen or what's sort of your history with the Ravens? Yeah, man, I, uh, I grew up in uh, the Baltimore area. I was born in Baltimore. Uh, then I joined the military when I turned 18. So I've been gone ever since, you know, every three years I'm moving somewhere right now. I live in Oklahoma and, um, it's just one of those things I've always followed the Ravens, even though I've left, you know, I've always, my house and everything's decorated with the Ravens. I got my man cave, all that, you know? Hell yeah. So, uh, it's just one of those things where it's my, my favorite team. It's one of the teams I'm very passionate about. So Everybody that says, like, oh, you're going to regret these tattoos, I mean, no, I'm not. I mean, it blew up. I didn't really want it. Like, I didn't expect anything. All I expected is my friends and my family would think it was funny, you know? That was, like, the joke. <laughs> and then, so, I don't really care. Do you have other Do you have other tattoos or just just these? Oh, yeah. my Both of my arms are completely covered. I've got one on my back, my calves, my ankle, you know? I, I have a lot of tattoos. But. Yeah, you're fine then. First ones on the thighs. That's a. I feel like that's a fun area to get. That that doesn't hurt too bad, right? There's a lot of meat there. Well, I didn't think it would hurt that much, but Ooh, once you start shit. getting on that inside, oh yeah, 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 up. that's sensitive town. That's where, like, if you get a little zit or something, you're like, oh god. What's been hurts. the of yeah, of the five so. that you've gotten for this one so far? What's been the most painful one? I don't have any tattoos, and I don't know if I'm ever gonna get one because I'm scared of needles. So I'm I'm curious about the pain level here. Honestly, I think the one that hurt the most, which surprisingly enough, it was that field goal, right? And the reason it was because I was drinking that day. Oh, yeah. So the ink wasn't going into my skin. You know, my skin was rejecting oh, the ink. Stabbing you. So I, I just told my wife, I said, dig in. <laughs> and I, I paid the price for that because that, that one really did hurt. And, uh, Wait, your wife yeah, is, so the, to read. is the tattoo artist? Oh, yeah, she's doing them. She's oh, my not a tattoo God, artist, so but she's doing them. That's so sick. I didn't we know that. Right I thought couch. she was just drawing them. Nope. She uh, she got a tattoo gun a couple months ago, and now I'm just her little, her little test dummy. So. Uh, dude, my, I also have a Ravens tattoo on my calf that my buddy did after they won the Super Bowl. I just have something for Ray Lewis. And my buddy had the same thing, bought a gun, practiced a couple times. That shit, it, the ink was running away because he was sticking me too deep. Ooh, it hurt bad. She, I didn't. I thought that was like... She's doing pretty good is what I'm trying to say. Like, I thought it, it wasn't like, I'm not gonna lie. I don't think it's, I, I thought she, you were getting these at a shop and I was like, oh, that doesn't look bad. So for me to think it didn't look bad, but for her to have just gotten a gun a couple months ago is like, she's doing an A plus job is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If you look progressively week by week, they're slowly getting better. You right. Know? The right. Justin Tucker one's rough. Let's, I, we can all say that. She can say that. But that's, that's cool, though, because it's literally your wife getting better at tattooing you as the Ravens win games. Like, that's a sick little side. Your body point. is a canvas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are you excited Pretty to uh, hopefully... Uh, are, you, are you excited to one day hopefully meet Jacoby Jones and show him your Ravens tattoos and then he'll show you his and it's just like, wow, man, mine are, like, way better than yours. Man, <laughs> I uh, I thought about that, too, especially when we went and played Denver because of the whole Mile How Miracle. You know, that's one of those... Those history moments that uh, everybody, every Ravens fan knows exactly where they were during that game. And uh, I did think about that. It would be pretty cool. Is that your favorite Ravens game of all time? What's your favorite game of all time, excluding Super Bowls? 
Um, I would I would say that was like that one, and honestly, this Colts game that just passed. Uh, nobody thought we were coming back with twelve minutes left. I mean, everybody had that doubt in their head. The only people that knew that we were going to come back were the players on the field. You know, they had that that drive in them. But that 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 might go down as one of my favorite games I've ever watched. Just because it was so really unexpected, good especially regular season. Yeah, absolutely. For a regular season game, you know. There's just so many Ravens games. I, I really enjoy the experience of actually being at MNC Bank, and I've traveled a lot with the, to go see them. So I would say two years ago when we played the Rams on Monday night, when Lamar Jackson's first Monday night game, I was right. there. Oh, that's that's awesome. one of my favorite games too. Yeah, that's definitely a big one. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what else I got. Spenny, you got anything else here? No, brother, we really appreciate you coming on. It's a cool story. Like, I love the fact that your wife is doing them. That makes it even, like, amazing. Like, watching her get better every week is so cool. Uh, we got to get you out here for another one at the bank, man. And hopefully there's, like, you know, 12, 13, 14 tattoos on your leg at that point. And uh, maybe for a little playoff game. And I, I, I'll tell you, man, I've, I've whispered. I've, I've said the phrase Team of Destiny a couple times. And shit like this, shit like what you're doing gives me a little bit of those vibes. The fact that the Ravens have so many players hurt and keep winning – like what Lamar's doing, mm-hmm. things like what you're doing, little team of Desi. So we got to get you out here again, get to the bank. And uh, we appreciate you coming on so, so much. Feel free to plug your Twitter or anything in the entire world, man. All right. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'll be there uh, on November 28th for the Browns Ravens Sunday night football game. My wife and oh, I will yeah. both be there. So we'll, we'll have beers for you, man. We're meeting cool. up. We're meeting up if you're down. Absolutely. hundred percent down. Just let me know. And uh, my Twitter is Collison 11. And then my uh, Instagram colors and Nick and I see. All right, buddy. Well, uh, you have yourself a great rest of your night. You enjoy the game this weekend. Uh, you know, best of luck thinking up the uh, Bengals victory tattoo. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again at some point when you're, uh, you're even more filled out here. All right, guys. I appreciate you guys having me. I'll talk to you guys soon. Later. Man. Thanks, Nick. I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. All right, so some really fun chats there. As you guys could tell, we, uh, it was funny because we booked the mic interview. We did that. We, we always kind of know what you're getting into with those types of things. But the Nick one was definitely a little more spur of the moment, kind of off the cuff type thing. And we weren't uh, we didn't really prep a ton of questions or anything. We just kind of had a, a conversation with the guy who was uh, working a shift. I think he said he was in the military. So maybe, you know, kind of doing something operationally like that. But we were just kind of dicing it up with him for a nice 10, 15 minutes there. And uh, I definitely had some fun with that. I'm sure you did, too. Yeah, a lot of fun. Both of those guys getting a stink farting whale and uh, getting the Ravens tattoos and uh, me and. Me and Nick both have Ravens tattoos, so blood brothers for life, Nick. I uh, hope you had a good time. I'm looking forward to uh, that Cleveland Browns game. That Browns game is Thanksgiving season, so uh, let's let's. That's the one where we have to get. I'm gonna try and get a real Baltimore beatdown tailgate for that one. That feels like a good one to do it for. Browns coming to Baltimore, uh, all that good stuff, and that's right around Thanksgiving. So a lot of people are probably home and might want to go to that game. So that's the one I I'm, I'm gonna aim for for like an official, and I'll. We'll get a bunch of 30s and stuff and have food and drinks and everything for everyone to come and have fun. And we'll do that in like lot G and lot H uh, where where the real ta- real tailgate goes on and uh, something something of that sort. But yeah, let's uh, let's, you know, I'm going to do I'm going to do fast stats real quick on the Bengals. Um, just a couple things that stuck out. I'm just going to rattle on through. So Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow against zone 19th in EPA, 23rd in points earned, 25th in points per play. Uh, he has the fourth highest bust rate, which means the play had a negative EPA. Bust rate is so sick, and I never even thought about it. Um, so sick. He's 62 and 94, 102 dropbacks, 786 yards, five touchdowns, three picks. 
Then if you switch on over to man coverage, which 90% of the man coverage he's faced is cover one, he is second in points earned, second in points earned per play, second in EPA, highest boom percentage, which is a play a percentage of plays that have a positive EPA. And he actually is first in that by 10%, which is the same difference between second place and eighth place. Um, 23 of his 50 passes against man coverage have gone for either 10 yards or a touchdown, hence the boom percentage. He's 36 of 50, 605 yards, seven tutties, two picks. Uh, they don't really throw a lot of screens. 15, nothing crazy's happened there. Uh, an interesting quote from Joe Burrow after hitting a tight end screen against the Jaguars was that he said that Joe Cullen, he knew, came from the Ravens, and the Ravens like to run a lot of cover zero on third down. So Joe Cullen hits him with cover zero. He hits CJ Uzomo, rattles for 24 yards there. Um, so something to watch there. 41 of Joe Burrow's 196 dropbacks are play action. He is 23 of 37 on play action. Nothing crazy there. Uh, when he is pressured, he is 25th in the NFL in points earned. He is a negative 8.79 EPA, which is 26th. Uh, he, or excuse me, 22nd, and he has only seen eight passes of man two coverage. When the Bengals see cover one, which is man match or, you know, single high man coverage, he has fucking obliterated the earth. He is by far the best passer in the NFL. He has thrown three deep touchdowns to Jamar Chase, four more passes. So seven J Jamar Chase receptions have been against cover one, three touchdowns and four gains of at least 28 yards. Cover three, he's been okay. Only seen 33 dropbacks. Uh, Burrow just generally doesn't have a ton of zip against cover three, but he does like to throw to T. Higgins against cover three. It seemed like a common theme. Um, he's not good against two high coverages. He has seen the second most two high coverages in the NFL. He's thrown three touchdowns and three interceptions, and he has taken the most sacks of any quarterback when facing two high with 10. The only other quarterback who has taken more than five is Justin Fields, who is a rookie. Joe Burr, or excuse me, Joe Mixon, Hasn't done a ton this year. Mike Sands got into that. Um, you know, he's a he's a workhorse back. He puts them, he has a lot of neutral runs where it's not really a positive or a negative play, but you know, gets into second and second and seven, second and six, second and five, second and eight. Uh done, does okay. They really don't run the ball at a shotgun that much. Only 23 of Mixon's 111 carries have come out of shotgun. Um they run duo a lot, which is like uh a power without a puller. And Basically, all of Jamar Chase's production has come against cover one. Uh, he has the 50% boom percentage against cover one, which is by far the first. Uh, the Bengals also have the second highest neutral pass rate in the red zone. In other words, on first or second and long, they throw the ball every time. They have the fifth lowest when they're outside the red zone. So when they get in the red zone, they like to throw it a lot. Uh, Quentin Spain is a dominant lineman right now. He's kind of reminded me of a Nate's uh, Roger Saffold down in Tennessee. Ravens fans might be familiar Bengals defense, 22nd in points saved, 11th or in points saved against the as a pass rushing unit, 11th as a run defense, and 9th as a pass defense. They mix up their coverages pretty well. Uh, cover one, cover two, and cover three with a little bit of quarters in there is their predominant deal. They have blitzed 197 times, and they, or excuse me, they have not blitzed, so rushed four or less on 197 of opponents' dropbacks, and they have blitzed on only 39 of opponents drop back. So they don't blitz very much. Mike Sands gave you the, the long and short. So that was some fast stats and uh, Bengals are a good defense, man. They're a solid team. Got a good quarterback, some weapons and a good defense. Yeah. I've, I've heard some people picking to the Bengals to win. I think somewhat on the strength of the fact that 
people still making a thing of the fact that the Ravens have played in all these close games and, you know, not necessarily lucky to be five and one, but uh, it's just a little bit precarious. But the Bengals, you know, they've they've kind of been in some interesting ones as well. You got a W over Minnesota uh, in overtime. Then you lose 20 to 17 to Chicago in week two. You beat Pittsburgh 24 to 10. Steelers stink, whatever. 24-21 W over Jacksonville. That was uh, an interesting one. You lose Went to Green down Bay. The wire. And, yeah, exactly. It did go down to the wire, and it was one play by Joe Burrow that we talked about with the, the Mike interview there. You lose to Green Bay 25-22 in overtime. And then, I mean, I think this past week probably really took people off their scent a little bit where they go to Detroit and they just get a workman like win 34 to 11. So uh, I think the narratives, uh, if they play a closer game leading up to this, I'm, I'm not sure they're in a spot where a lot of people would be calling this as close. But uh, to be fair, I think the Bengals are a very talented team. I think their coaching staff is, uh, it's been maligned, I think, even by us in the past. And I think you got to give them credit for uh, coaching some of these guys up, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. I, th- I like a lot of the stats that you just threw out there. I think Joe Burrow is playing really well. But uh, I guess we're going to see what happens. For sure. And I thought I got some shit on Twitter for saying this would be a seven-win team. Um, so, you know, I'm not tooting my own horn because I didn't have them being four and two. I think they're probably going to win more than seven games. But that just show, goes to show how kind of lowly people thought of this team heading into the year. I was very low on Zach Taylor. In a very dumb, subjective way, I was low on him because I listened to Sean McVay's podcast with Peter Schreger. And I just kind of didn't feel the it factor at all, which is a dumb, you know, we always say sports talk radio take, and it was. And they're playing some good ball. That Packers game, there's five missed field goals in like the fourth quarter in overtime. So they're they're playing, to your point, Jake, they're playing some crazy games as well. Um, I do think this is a talented team. I think it's a veteran defense. They've got guys like Mike Hilton, and DJ Reader, veterans, you know, Jesse Bates has seen a lot. Jesse Bates plays the Ravens well. Uh, so they've they've definitely got some good vets. I think they're going to be a little more disruptive against the run than the Chargers were. I don't think they'll be quite as stout as the Colts were. But um, I, don't, I don't really see the Ravens scoring, you know. I, I would be a little surprised to see the Ravens score into like the 34 range. I, I don't think that is the way this game goes. The one thing about the Bengals is, they have the second slowest pace offensively in the NFL because they run the ball a lot. They like to that that's the game they play. They're not playing tempo. They like to milk clock, give their defense time. They're playing a very traditional style of football right now. They like to run zone and uh, milk the clock. So there's going to be less possessions in this game. I don't think Burrow is very um, you know, he'll turn the ball over. You can get him to fumble or throw a bad pick here and there, but I think they're going to be on their P's and Q's uh trying not to turn the ball over. I do think turnovers is going to be the determining factor in this game. That is the area that the Ravens really need to improve, and certainly one Lamar Jackson needs to improve. Uh, after not seeing that linebacker over the middle of the field last week, that was you know pretty egregiously bad. You kind of just shake it off because he – I went back and looked at it, and it looked like he was kind of trying to manipulate him and assumed by looking him off that he would move, and he didn't, and then just shot it in there. Uh, so things like that. I mean, Lamar's thrown a couple picks here now. You know, A couple of them have been bad, two bad ones against the Chiefs. Um, you know, if one of them is unlucky against the Chargers, one of them is not unlucky and he throws it right to someone. So uh, I think if the Ravens don't turn the football over, they win this game. But uh, the Bengals are a very big play dependent team. Jamar Chase, obviously a huge reason why Tyler Boyd can do some things. T Higgins can do some things, but this Bengals team is good. They have a good defense. Like the defense is the reason they're good right now, not their offense. So I, I think this is going to be a tough divisional game. And you know, you know that the Bengals are embarrassed as hell. They feel confident right now. The Ravens whooped their asses like, what was it, 47 and 26 to a combined like 
six last year. Yeah, not, not, like that. Not, not competitive games in the slightest. I mean, Lamar Jackson is the Bengals' Anton Shiger. Like, he is just a, like, soulless, just serial killer that is just chasing them across the desert, and they cannot do anything to stop him. And this is going to be, and we've talked about it, this could be the big narrative buster game for them. So they're going to be coming into it fired up, and I think Joe Burrow is going to be right in the middle of the huddle saying, buckle your fucking chin straps and let's go win this thing. Yeah, and like I said with Mike, you know, that was the game, probably the worst game of Joe Burrow's football career, at least over the last, like, two, three years. So they definitely want to win this one. They want to prove one to themse- prove something to themselves. They want to prove something to the world. They want to prove something to the rest of the division, all that good stuff. So uh, it's going to be a tough game. And this is a game where they can have a moral victory, for sure. They're going to come into Baltimore. It's going to be loud as hell. Mike mentions how they like to go empty. Well, guess fucking what? That's a horrible idea against the Ravens at home not being able to communicate, not being able to call out things unless you got some real good hand signals going. So, uh, I, you know, we, we just saw Justin Herbert have some struggles. The Ravens secondary is uber healthy. Um, watch out for maybe, you know, everyone's talking about Marlon. Watch out for Jimmy Smith to maybe cover Jamar Chase a little bit. Try and go body him at the line of scrimmage a little bit too. So going to be an interesting game. I think the Bengals will be able to hit some shots and they've got some moxie. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's a divisional game and it's a, a pretty decent team. You look at DVOA and all that stuff, you know. Bengals aren't bad, man. So, uh, it, it, you know, they've had some close wins and things of that nature. Jake, you make a good point. They're probably riding high in the power rankings after shitting on the Lions, who were kind of beaten, broken, and damned going into the week. So, uh, interesting game, but ultimately, Lamar Jackson at home. The Ravens have been at home for a month, uh, or going to be at home for a month. They've been here a couple weeks now at this point. They're rested. They're getting healthy. They're, you know, regaining strength. So, uh, going with Predickies, let's uh, let's let you get into it first, as is uh, as is tradition. So on tally site, I picked the Ravens to win 31 to 23. I think uh, a turnover, I don't know if it's going to be a pick six or a fumble recovery, but I think a turnover is going to set the Ravens up well to score, and that's going to prove the difference. One secret little factor, a little nugget here, is Josh Bynes was on the damn Bengals last year. So he's got a little, got a little insight. And he's also, uh, he's got, he's going up to the podium. He's got Wink Martindale talking him up, saying, I love this guy. He settled them down. When's the last time they signed Josh Bynes to uh, settle this defense down? Not so long ago. So that's, you know, that's that's a factor to consider. Yeah, I, th- I think he's got a little insight into way, the way things work there. I think Mike Hilton brings a little interesting insight for what the Steelers like to do against the Ravens. Uh, so I think there's some smart defensive minds there. I think we see a kind of sloppy drag out game where uh, the Bengals don't blitz. You're going to have to pick them apart a little bit. Lamar Jackson's going to have to be Lamar Jackson. So I'm, uh, I'm going to take a Ravens win and let's go with like a, let's go with a nice AFC North. 23 to 16. I think Mike picked 24 17. I think that's interesting from you guys because I think, uh, as much as you say AFC North, I think uh, the, the script is flipped on this division. I feel like this is much more of an offensive division than it was a decade ago. But uh, I like that. For I like sure. The... But I feel like these two teams right now, the Ravens coming off a big defensive game, you know, the, yeah. the Bengals little... defense kind of has shit on. They, they held Aaron Rodgers to what, 20, 22 points in regulation, something like that. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I think they can do some things. I think this game might be, this game could very well be over by like three forty-seven PM. If the Bengals want to do what they've been doing and the Ravens want to run the ball a little bit, like this game could go quick. Um, uh, so I think penalties and turnovers are what decides it. And I think that, uh, at home, the Ravens relaxed here a little bit. They've got their sights set on kind of being a machine and proving doubters wrong and all that good shit. So, uh, at the end of the day, they have Lamar Jackson. Joe Burrow's a good quarterback too. And, uh, Joey Burrow is going to make a couple plays. I think he's a little more ready for the Ravens than maybe a Justin Herbert was last week. 
And I think they have a couple tricks up their sleeve, but uh, this Ravens secondary is healthy. I've shattered it out a couple times now, but you've got six DBs that are in year three or more with Wink Martindale. So they've got continuity on the back end. This Bengals team relies on a lot of deep shots. I think they hit a couple, uh, you know, a couple explosive plays, but not a ton. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm, I don't know. I can make a fool out of myself by saying this, but I'm not utterly shocked if, you know, the Bengals win this game. I wouldn't be completely shocked at all. No, uh, I don't I think, think so either. Team. No, I think they divisional won. Divisional game. Yeah, it's a divisional game. They're, they're going to want it bad. They've got offensive firepower, which I think is really a, a deciding factor in 2021. I don't think that's any sort of hot take. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I could definitely see this being a loss, but uh, I don't know. I think the Ravens are going to ride this thing all the way into the bye at 6-1 and one and then reevaluate from there. It's a whole new season after that, I think. Right. And they've got that buy. That is a classic, you know, I, I feel like I might be wrong, but isn't there something where it's like John Harbaugh is he's money off know, the buy money, but before the buy, don't they fucking flounder? Maybe. I don't know, but it's, I think it's, they're like five and 10 before the buy or maybe, something. Yeah. It's, it's an Andy Reed coaching tree thing to be really good off the buy. Andy Reed's really good off the buy. I think all his guys have been as well. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a trap there maybe, but they're at home. Um, you got to handle business and it's a, it's a tough matchup. So uh, I think this is going to be an interesting game, but yeah, that about does it. I think we both got dubs and we do both have dubs. So hopefully uh, Ravens are sitting at six and one and we get some time to have some fun conversations and do kind of a mid season review and go back and look at the future and you know, the rest of the schedule as it starts to get a little chilly outside and all that good stuff. So yeah, that about does it for me. Does it for me as well. So I guess we can go ahead and get out of here. Let's get out of here. Podcastbeatdownmerch.com. Got some spooky season mugs and hoodies and T-shirts and some good stuff of that nature. Yours truly actually uh, got, has a mug on order right now. Yeah, Jakey's going to be drinking out of it. We'll be drinking out of it. Get the mug. It is a John Harbaugh good mug, and it has our logo on the back and some spooky Ravens colored font. Uh, not exactly, so I don't think they can sue us, but hey, you never know. Um, they'll find a way, I'm sure. We'll find a way to get sued at some point or just get a cease and desist. Don't worry, Lamar. We will not infringe upon you. But yeah, uh, podcastbeatdownmerch.com. Free stickers coming with the orders uh, here shortly. So we appreciate you guys. You know That's going to help us get an intern. That's going to help us uh, do plenty of great things and continue to make this podcast bigger, better, stronger, and faster. So again, podcastbeatdownmerch.com. I do have an expedited shipping on there now. If you do so choose, it is expensive, but so is expedited shipping. So uh, that's all on there. Appreciate you guys who have bought. All of those orders should be uh, from the first batch should be coming in the next couple of days here. I think it was uh, five to eight business days, about five business days ago. So they should start to come in now. Thank you so much to everyone who ordered and get us out of here, Jakey boy. Check it out. Check us out on social media at Podcast Beatdown on Twitter. I am at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer is at Ravens for Dummies. That's the number four in the middle. Get at us on Instagram. We're starting to do some big numbies on there at Baltimore underscore Beatdown. And uh, follow our flagship Twitter page as well at Baltimore or at Be More Beatdown. Uh, and check out our website, too. All, all the great written content that we've got going on there, BaltimoreBeatdown.com. And uh, YouTube page is just Baltimore Beatdown. We crossed over into the 1,000 subscriber territory. So we've got a K in our, uh, in our subscriber count on YouTube, which is really got all that. a K in our bank account? I just wanted to see that K. And uh, Spenny's doing some great film review stuff on YouTube there as well. So uh, be sure to pop in over there and check those out. Uh, you can watch them live or you can go back and... Uh, Watch them retroactively. So that's some really good content as well that uh, you should uh, be getting into if you like the video stuff and if you like uh, film breakdown kind of content. And uh, I will be returning on there with uh, the Madden series. I put that on hiatus for a little bit because uh, 
Madden is incredibly stupid, and I'm incredibly stupid, and I didn't realize I was playing the Xbox One version, even though I have a Series X. So I'm restarting on the Series X. I'm going to reload all the all the record and presets and all the stuff that I had. And also the new scouting update is in there. So uh, we're going to have some some fun with it. I've already played one of the games and I'm in the, currently in the process of editing that. So that's coming back as well. So get at us on YouTube. But uh, in the meantime, hope you guys have yourselves a, a grand weekend. And we'll talk to you again early next week. Spooky see ya. Arrivederci. Gorlami. Gorlami. Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.